All right, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4 tonight. I told you this morning that it was going to be a shorter message, and I was working on it this afternoon, and I added a couple pages to it. I'm kidding, I didn't. Proverbs chapter 4, and we're in the middle of this in-depth discussion on standards and convictions, and, and I have emphasized three things so far. We've talked about convictions, we've talked about principles, and we've talked about preferences. And today we're going to do the same thing with standards. And this is the focus of where we're going. I told you this morning that we're going to get into the meat kind of now of what we've been talking about the last few weeks to try to set all of these things up to help us understand, um, you know, exactly what this is and why it's necessary. And uh, there are a lot of things that we'll branch off on with this topic, like applying the standards, which we're going to get to next week and how they should be applied. Uh, but in order to apply them, we have to be able to define what a standard is and why it's necessary. So... Uh, with that understanding and with everything that we've talked about up to this point under our belts, let's look at, at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Now, let's get into this then and talk about, first of all, standards Defined. What is a standard? Why, why do, what, what, what makes a standard a standard, if you will? Um, we hear that word a lot, especially in independent Baptist circles, standards. Do they have standards, right? And we, it's, it's, I mean, it can mean any number of things that people talk about when they ask, you know, does your church have standards? Well, of course, every church has standards, <laughs> right? Doesn't mean they're good standards, but every church has standards, um, and I, I heard that term, obviously, growing up a lot. I grew up in a very conservative, independent Baptist church, and uh, I knew growing up that our family and our church held different standards from basically all the rest of the world, and honestly, from a lot of the rest of Christianity. Uh, the girls in our family and our church were not allowed to wear pants. We didn't have television in our home. We didn't go to movies. We, we, there was a lot of other things that we didn't do that, you know, you'd come across people who went to church and who were involved in different, you know... Uh, areas of ministry or whatever, who didn't hold to those same standards. And, you know, when you're growing up, kind of, it, honestly, I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying it, but growing up in a bubble where that's all you know, then you look at people on the outside and you think, what's wrong with you? Why do you not have these standards? But that's, that's all I knew. That's, that's all um, my pastor, my dad said that we held different standards, and so we trusted him, and that's what we did. And so, essentially, my understanding as a, as a young man of what my pastor and my dad meant by the word standards was the rules that our church set down that determined what we would do and would not do as a family. And I say pastor and dad because, obviously, my, uh, you know, we went to the church. The pastor talked about all of these things. My dad, you know, it, it, ultimately, what has to happen is the father in the home has to set the standards for the home. But it's based on a lot of things that, that you hear in, in church and everything else. Um, but in the typical dictionary, I think, you know, standards can have as many as 10 definitions. And in the context of, of what we're talking about here in this series, I think the appropriate one is this. Something set up and established by authority as a rule for the measure of quantity, weight, extent, value, or quality. And that type of definition is where we get the phrase standardized weights and measures from, right? You have to have it. Um, a, a pound has to stay within certain boundaries. It can't be more, it can't be less, or it's not a pound. It has to fit within those boundaries. Uh, and, and an earlier use uh, was as a reference for the king's pennant or battle flag. It was called his standard. Uh, from that understanding, the king's pennant, 
they rose this idea of a necessity for standardized, you know, standardized measurements or values that were determined by the authority of the king. The king said this is the way that it was. This was his standard. This is the way that it was. This is what you followed. And it was the king who had the standard that represented him. And that became the standard for that nation based on what the, you know, the, the rules that the king laid down and the authority that the king had to lay down those rules. Another dictionary uh, definition gives uh, kind of a related definition when it defines standards, but it says that it's a rule, a principle, or means of judgment. For example, the, the guidelines that help me judge or determine whether something is or is not an acceptable pound, right? We have to have something that determines that, so we come up with a scale of some sort. Whether you take a one-pound weight on one side and, and try to measure it against the other, or take a scale where you put it on there and it tells you how much it weighs, there's something that has to be the rule or the principle or the means of judgment. So taking all of those definitions in mind, you can see why my pastor and my dad uh, chose to use the word standards to describe what he would and would not allow in our home. And, and as our authority, he had to set up rules that, that in his judgment would keep our family from straying across those actions or into those actions that he felt were not acceptable for us. And as a father for almost 13 years now, I've done the exact same thing in my family. We have to set up standards that, that, um, that designate what is right and what is not right to keep my children from straying into actions that I don't believe are acceptable. And it's my responsibility as a father to make sure that there are standards in my home that are set up to keep that from happening. And I was just talking about, uh, talking about it this morning uh, with, a, with a couple people. And, you know, again, it, it just seems like uh, the older kids get, the lower the standards go because they're not willing to keep that same standard, right? A pound doesn't change because somebody wants it to have more weight to it. A pound doesn't get less because somebody wants a pound to have less weight to it. A pound is a pound is a pound. It doesn't matter who tries to change it, right? And the same thing is true when it comes to standards. Standards are standards, whether the kids get older, whether the kids want to change it, whether society changes, whether, uh, you know, whether people change, it does not matter. A standard is a standard, and it's based on convictions that are based on the Word of God. So it's very important, then, that we have those standards. And we're going to continue talking about that, but in this context, um, here, then, is my definition of standards. The rules that I institute in my life that help, that help me abide by my convictions. We've talked about what convictions are, Right? Conviction is something that I am convinced of. And why am I convinced of it? I'm convinced of it because it's in the Word of God. Whether that is principles that we find in the Word of God, whether it's preferences that are based off of those principles that we find in the Word of God. But either way, my conviction is something that I am convinced is right or something that I am convinced is wrong. So standards then are rules that I institute in my life that help me abide by those convictions. Uh, standards are the, the, the practical, everyday rules that help me to live the truths that I'm convinced about. In other words, standards are what I set to help keep me from breaking my convictions. If you were to look at it on a graph, here's your conviction line, right? You have a line. This is a line that I'm not going to cross. It's a line that's drawn into the sand. It's not, gonna, it's not going to change. It's set in stone. This is my conviction. I'm convinced that Name it. We find it in the Bible. I'm convinced that this is the way that it's supposed to be. So I set a standard to keep myself from dropping below that conviction line. The, to, to drop below a conviction, in my estimation, uh, would be a sin. And I'm not saying in, in my opinion. I'm saying 
this is my conviction, to drop below that would be to sin. I'm convinced of that. So I set a standard that is higher than my conviction so that I don't drop below my conviction line. And, and the standard has to be set, and it has to be set higher than the conviction to keep, from, keep that from happening. Let's, let's, let's think of a couple examples. Um, let's say that I believe with all my heart that high fructose corn syrup is, is, uh, is killing you. And if you have something with high fructose corn syrup in it, you're going to die. Right? Well, that's, that's the conviction, if you will. Um, if we, it, it would make sense then, to me anyway, that I would institute a rule in my life that I'm not going to drink or eat anything that has high fructose corn syrup in it. So I'm, I'm going to not drink you know, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, Cherry Coke, any of those other things. I'm not going to drink them because it has high fructose corn syrup in it. And I'm convinced that if I drink things with high fructose corn syrup, I'm going to die. So I set a standard to keep me from dropping below that conviction. Um, the conviction is, is that it's bad for me. The standard is that I'm not going to drink pop or soda or Coke or whatever else you want to call it. Uh, but that's, that's, I set a standard to keep from breaking that conviction. Now, here's another example, and I think maybe this one will, will be a little bit more clear, if you will. I've climbed the Grand Canyon. I've climbed Pikes Peak a couple times. I've, I've been to Niagara Falls. I've been to a lot of other places in the United States that are tourist attractions that attract many, many people every single year that are also very dangerous places to go. Very beautiful, but very dangerous. And so in every one of these places that I've been, what you find is that along all the edges of those places is a fence. Why do they put that fence up there? Is it because they're trying to keep you from enjoying the natural beauty? Is it because they're trying to keep you from really experiencing nature? No, they put a fence there to keep you from falling over the edge of that cliff, right? And in this, and in this uh, instance, the cliff is my conviction. Falling over that cliff would be essentially falling into sin, and the fence then is the standard that keeps me from breaking that conviction that keeps me from falling into sin. And so death is the result of that sin. The fence protects me from going over the cliff into sin and death. So standards then are fences that I put up along the cliffs of life in order to prevent me and, and all of those that I'm responsible for from going over the cliff and getting smashed up on the bottom. That's why standards are necessary. That standard is that fence that keeps us from falling over that cliff. By the way, at, at each of those places that I mentioned, you always hear a couple times a year somebody who climbed over the fence to try to get a better picture for Instagram or something like that, and they always end up falling to their death. And you hear about it in every, in every one of these places almost every single year that that happens. And that's the case spiritually with a lot of people who avoid the standards in their lives as well. They try to jump over those standards or try to avoid those standards. Well, I can handle it. I'm strong enough. I can do it on my own. I don't need standards to keep myself from breaking those convictions. And they always end up slipping and falling into sin. Which brings us then again to Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. So essentially, that, that fence has to be there to help me avoid it, to help me pass not by it, to help me... Uh, uh, turn from it, to help me pass away from it, right? Uh, and let me bring up an important note here. The fences in these scenario, in the scenario that I'm talking about here with, you know, all these, all these uh, beautiful places, the fences are all man-made fences, right? The fences don't just grow there naturally to keep you from stepping over the edge of the Grand Canyon. 
And a, and, a, and a standard is a man-made rule for life that's laid down with the intent of preventing the person abiding by that standard from violating a Bible principle. And I think perhaps the most controversial element of that last statement is the word man-made. People get hung up on that idea of it being a man-made thing. And honestly, there are two extremes that, that we see arise from that. The first extreme says that it's wrong to ever invent some rule for life uh, and insist that other people abide by that rule. And a lot of people who say that will, will point to the fact that, you know, oh, Jesus uh, had the same thing with the Pharisees in his day. The Pharisees came up with all these rules to the point where they really couldn't do anything but walk to uh, the synagogue and walk back home. Anything else was, you know, uh, violating the rules of the Sabbath and all of these other things. And so you're, you're inventing all of these rules. You're the same thing as the Pharisees. And Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't hold back from his rebuke of the Pharisees. And you're just another Pharisee that's setting up rules that people have to follow that, that uh, essentially Jesus came to, to do away with. That's one extreme. The other extreme would be to tend to deny that the rule is man-made and insist that it's a Bible truth or that it's at least on the same level as Bible truth. Anybody that disagrees with their position is not right with God needs to confess their sins and repent. And often the people who hold to that position uh, can tend to be unapproachable, unwilling to answer the question of why do we have this standard? And, you know, because I'm the man of God, that's just the way that it is. When, when somebody asks them why that standard is being held, and, and that's a, both of those are ditches on the, other, on, on the sides of the road. Right? I ought to be able to answer why we do this. And that's honestly, that's the entire point of this, this whole series that we're going through. We're explaining why these are necessary. We're explaining the, the purpose of having standards, the purpose of having convictions. But both of those extremes are ditches on the side of the road, and, and, and anything less than being in the middle is, is, is heading toward danger. Let's go back to the example of the Grand Canyon with its fences. A lot of the fences are set a good distance from the actual edge of the cliff. If you've been there, you'll see, you know, it's not fence, and if you step over the fence, there's nothing there. Your leg is going to be dangling in nothingness, right? There's a fence, and then there's a, there's a, there's a little piece of land before you go over the edge of that cliff. And it's, it's that way in a lot of places. And even though, there seems to be, even though it seems to be a good distance from the edge of the cliff, the distance can be deceiving. Sometimes what might seem like, you know, 10, 15, 20 feet to the edge of that cliff is a whole lot less than that. And... The cliff is, is the conviction. Falling over the edge would be falling into sin. The fence is that standard for life. It's a man-made rule, if you will, that prevents the keeper of that rule from ever getting close enough to fall over the edge into sin. So it's theoretically possible to cross over that fence and not fall over the edge of that cliff. It's theoretically possible to violate a standard and not fall over the cliff of sin, fall over the edge of that conviction and fall into sin. It's theoretically possible. Um, but that's what defines standards. There are times when, in theory, you could violate a standard and still not fall into sin, but there are times when the deceitfulness of sin is so strong that the fence is absolutely necessary so that crossing the fence in that particular place could almost certainly mean a fall. It's impossible to know how slippery the edge is, but why risk it? Why step over that fence? Why why take the risk of falling over the edge of that cliff? Uh, you know, you may or may not be fine if you stepped over that fence. You may still be okay, but I know this one thing is, is certain. The person who never crosses the fence is never going to fall over the cliff. That's why the fences are there. 
And that's why we have standards. That's why we establish those standards. Here's my conviction. I set the standard a, a, a little ways back from the edge of that conviction so that if there, I mean, there is a possibility that I could step over that and be fine. But if I don't step over it, I know that I'm not going to fall over the edge of that cliff. So do we find any examples of that in the Bible? Turn over to Genesis 39 because we do. Do we find somebody that instituted a rule in his or her life in order to prevent them from going over the cliff of sin? There's a lot of good examples, actually, in the Bible of people who set standards, uh, good and bad, some that didn't set standards, some who did. But let me give you one example of, of this applied in a good way, and that's with the example of Joseph. Joseph did that in relation to his interactions with Potiphar's wife. And I'm not going to take the time to read the entire story there in Genesis 39, uh, but, but Joseph obviously was put in charge of Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife, I'm sure, being that she was the wife of a very powerful political figure, was probably a very attractive woman. And for whatever reason, she set her sights on Joseph. And day after day after day, she, she said, lie with me. And he wouldn't do it. And in this case, the cliff was violating a clear commandment that Joseph had that was, thou shalt not commit adultery. That was the conviction. And Joseph obviously had that conviction. But we see this in Genesis 39 and verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he that committeth all that he hath to my hand, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou wert his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, the standards were what Joseph put in his life to keep himself from going over the edge of that cliff. Look at verse number 10. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And if you look, you can go through the rest of that entire passage and see this, but you, you read through the rest of that passage. Uh, verse number 11, came to pass about that time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment and saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. It came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was, and was fled so forth that she, she accused him of, of doing the very thing that she was trying to get him to do. But you see what, what Joseph had done here. Um, Joseph obviously had standards that were set in place well before he got to the conviction level. Joseph would not lie down next to her. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be alone with her. Those were his standards, right? Now, come lie with me. Is there something that said that he could not necessarily lie next to her on a bed? Is there something that said that he couldn't be with her in the house by himself? There was nothing that said that. The conviction was, thou shalt not commit adultery. So Joseph set standards for himself to keep from crossing those convictions. He wouldn't be in the house when she was there by herself. Obviously, this time it happened, and she was probably waiting for that opportunity. You know, Joseph was in there alone, and she came into the house and caught him before he could get out. But obviously, you look at the rest of this passage, and you see that that's what Joseph had set a standard for himself. He was not going to be a house in the house alone with this woman, right? He was not going to lie down next to her because you're just getting closer and closer and closer to that conviction that he should not commit adultery. There is no scripture passage that says he couldn't lie down next to a woman. There's no scripture passage that says that he couldn't be alone with her. He's not obeying a command here. He's using his judgment, instituting standards and rules in his own life 
to keep him from breaking those convictions. He, was, he put up a fence so that he wouldn't go over the cliff. Let me go back to a previous statement I made because I think it's vital to this discussion. The person who never crosses the fence is never going to fall off the cliff. And that's what standards are all about. I told you we were going to be quick. I know this is very short compared to the time that we normally take. Um, but next week, I want to take kind of the definitions that we've looked at and, and talk about the application of standards. And I want to have plenty of time to do that without going way late tonight. So I decided to split it into two different things. We have a lot more to discuss, to, to discuss over the next few weeks to help you understand not only why standards are necessary, but what standards we can put in place to keep us from breaking our convictions. And that's so important, how they should be applied according to the Word of God. So stay tuned. We're coming back to it uh, short tonight. But obviously, a standard is a fence that keeps us from getting too close to the edge of the cliff, which is our conviction, to keep us from falling into sin. That's what a standard is, and that's why it's necessary. You would never, obviously, you know, you would think, you would think that you'd be wise enough if you were to go to the Grand Canyon and find a spot where there was no fence that you wouldn't walk over to the edge of the cliff and you know, try to keep your balance and see how, how long it takes you to lose your balance and fall over the edge. But there's people that do it all the time, and that's why they have to put fences there, right? I don't trust myself the same way that they don't trust people because people are people. So you have to have standards in place to keep yourselves, to keep us, to keep yourself from getting too close to that edge, from falling into sin. That's what the fence is, and that's why the fence is necessary. And that's a standard. It's, a, it's something that is set to keep me from breaking my convictions, and they're absolutely necessary. So we'll talk about the application of that when we get back together next week. All right? Let's pray. We'll pray. We'll sing our closing song, and then we'll be done for tonight. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you so much for... Uh, the fact that you love us enough to help us with these things, to help keep us from falling into sin. The last thing I, I believe that anybody in this room tonight wants is to fall into sin. We try to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We try to keep ourselves away from those things. But God, I pray that you help us to set our standards in the right places to keep that from happening. We want to be clean. We want to be pure. We want to be right with you. We want our relationship to be right. We want our fellowship to be right with you as well. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to be willing to set high standards for ourselves and for our church to keep our church pure the way that you want it to be. God, we thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close with our song. This be the day that the Lord returns in glory. This could be the day that he calls his children home. So be and pray.